Well, see, there we go, chatting away, Susan and I, and the time flies before the call. And then when we talk, time flies during the call. Where this 15 minutes goes, I don't know. Anyway, this is Dorcas Smith, Granny D, out of Plymouth, Michigan, calling in to do the New Skin PR90 Body Burn 30 Weight Management Call. And there are an eclectic bunch of us who talk every day at this time. Um, at Eastern time, it's 9.40 to 9.55. But in Pacific time, it's the crack of dawn. I think it's like 6.30 to or 6.40 to 6.55. I don't know how the West Coast gets up and does this, unless that sometimes you do go back to bed afterwards. But regardless, I'm truly impressed. To be successful with your weight management program, it's an ongoing lifestyle. You cannot change it. You have to do it all the time. You must walk a minimum of 30 minutes, not minimum of 30 minutes, 10 minutes a day will do if you're desperate. It really will. It will work for you. But if you can get in 30 or more minutes just walking around your house, walk upstairs, walk downstairs, vacuum, fabulous exercise. All right? Making beds, fabulous exercise. Why? Because you're moving. And remembering to get up and move every hour my Fitbit requires 250 steps every hour. Why? Because those 50, those 250 steps are just like it's how you quit smoking. Because sitting and not moving is the new smoking, as you know. All right. So I'm back again today with John Drake. John Rady's Go Wild, and I'm going back to this amazing nerve called the the vagus nerve. Now, here's the question. What does our pump, our heart, it's just really a pump, have to do with the crinkle in the corner of our eyes? It's a big question, and it has a, has a big answer. Let me tell you all about it. This torturous path, starting as it does in the most primitive part of our brain, that is the vagus nerve, is the first of an evolutionary trail, and it clearly marks the vagus as ancient. It's an old nerve. Why? Because it meanders. It makes its straight march to the chest and the heartbeat, but also back upward to the innervate structures that had their organs in the gills of our very distant ancestors. The vagus nerve is an integral part of a network known as the autonomic nervous system, which regulates the automatic responses in our organs. But not only the automatic responses, among the system's key tasks is regulation of our body's response to threat, terror, and lions, and the center of control for flight, fight, or freeze. When presented with a threat, each of these strategies requires regulation throughout the territory covered by the vagus nerve and the rest of the autonomic 
nervous system. For instance, the heart rate and respiration increase both affects that, that supply of extra energy for fight or flight. The digestive system shuts down to save energy. Same with the gonads. Same with the immune response. Facial muscles contract and contort to the fierce presentation of rage. The larynx tightens to pitch urgent vocalizations. This is your body on DEFCON 1. And then the threat passes. And the vagus nerve reverses all of this. The whole cycle, arousal, relaxation, and, rela and relaxation is an oscillation that is adaptive and serves as a successful response to danger. In all of this, the shutdown sometimes gets taken for granted, but it's not a given. This is really interesting, for me anyway. The terror response just doesn't stop on its own. It requires a whole separate set of signals to shut it down. Over time, people who have been repeatedly abused or terrorized, especially as two children, lose the ability to return to normal, almost as if a switch got stuck. They literally live in terror. Further, Tracing the course of the autonomic, system, autonomic nervous system shows quickly why so many issues deemed psychological play out in the body. Digestive issues, impotence, poor immune response, high blood pressure, elevated heart rate, tense faces. A curiosity about the physical manifestation of, of a psychological state is what brought Porget to the vagus nerve in the first place. What kept him there was the realization that the vagus nerve runs both ways. It is mostly a control nerve, signaling organs to relax, but it also sends information back up to the brain on the state of the organs. Begin though, by understanding that social engagement, the ability to deal with another of our species on the basis of trust and understanding, is, in terms of all animals, a truly bizarre behavior. Almost no other species can do it as well as we do. And those that can, like dogs, guess what? They tend to hang around with us. <laughs> Forget says the reason this is this is so in evolutionary terms is that very few species have the ability of the vagal break. Now what's the vagal break? The vagal break, the ability to speak with one's spouse as to the whereabouts of the espresso tamper means asking the autonomic nervous system to perform two contradictory goals at the same time. And the key to that, says Forget, is the vagal break. The vagus nerve, nerve, sorry, the vagus nerve links up with all the tools we need to respond to an existential threat. 
And so the vagal break is the signal sent through the system for everything to stand down and engage at ease. It turns out there is a simple measure of this, and it can be read in the tension or lack of tension in facial muscles, heard in the voice timbre and edge, and counted in rate of respiration. But at the heart of the matter is the heart itself, and a subtle little signal called the respiratory sinus arrhythmia. I'll say that again. Respiratory sinus arrhythmia. When the vagal break is applied, it calms the heart, as it does everything else. And the unequal pressures of breathing, the increase with inhalation and decrease with exhalation, actually syncopate the heartbeat with a little asymmetry in rhythm, a slight difference between contraction and expansion. This is a respiratory arrhythmia, and the syncopation can be read on a graph, plain as day. Further, says Pourget, there is a thing called, or there is such a thing as vagal tone, completely analogous to muscle tone. The tone shows how clear and distinct a given individual's ability to apply the break is. That tone can be read in the amplitude of the arrhythmia. People who are are comfortable engaging other people have a strong vagal tone. For openers, this realization revitalizes a whole collection of metaphors in our language and most others by suggesting that they are more than metaphors. A strict rationalist reading of statements like, I know it in my heart, or my heart is not in this, sees them as a cover for mushy thinking. However, in strict reductionist mechanic mechanistic thinking, the heart is just a pump. So not so different from the circulating pump in the boiler in your basement. Likewise, science has begun talking about a second brain in your body, the enteric nervous system. I'll say that again, the enteric nervous system, E-N-T-E-R-I-C. We have long known that the digestive system has a robust set of nerves of its own, but research is finding out that this system does far more than regulate digestion. It is a full complement of neurotransmitters and, and in fact, seems to play a key role in regulating your sense of well-being, both physical and mental. It plays a role in your decision process, hence second brain. Now the metaphors like gut instinct get some real-world traction. Yet, as as if there is an an instinctive understanding in the evolution of our language that recognize that we can now measure in graphs and blips and charts, that the heart and gut are deeply engaged in our emotional lives, like we didn't know that already. But this might seem a bit much on the evidence we've delivered so far. It's cool that the heartbeat gives us a measure, but so what? 
it's only a slightly more sophisticated measure, say, than rate of respiration, galvanic skin response, or a twitch in our facial muscles that any dog can read. To which Porget replies, oh, no, 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 the vagal break can be driven by breath, a clear connection readable as blips on a chart. So you are in control of your breath to some degree. Thus, this is not simply a point for measuring or sensing arousal. It is a point for controlling arousal and downstream the health problems that stem from lack of control. We have had, we have long had intriguing clues as to how our body might participate in psychological health. For instance, it is a no-brainer that if you feel better, you are more likely to smile. But people studying depression figured out long ago that if you force yourself to smile, the specific spots in the brain that, re that register depression suddenly say, oh, hyperdepression is better. Wow, nothing else changed in your life. So why would this be? A smile? Through the years, neuroscience has produced a refinement of this intriguing bit of information. It turns out that a halfway forced smile won't do the trick because it won't light up the neurons of increased happiness in your brain. But if that forced smile goes so far as to engage those little muscles in the corner of your eyes that give you those little smile lines. That is, if you do what socially adept people understand instinctively, these neurons do indeed light up and the muscles at the corner of your eyes are in reach of the vagus nerve. Yet, where this idea really hits home is with the breath the one response over which we have control and which in turn exerts control through the alarm system that is the autonomic nervous system. Porget says he realized a long time ago because he is a musician, specifically a horn player, that the act of controlling the breath to control the rhythm of music and the same time engaging the brain to ex execute the mechanics of music works like mental therapy. To his mind, it has all the animal and the elements of pranayama yoga, a form of yoga that stresses breath control. Pranayama, P-R-A-N-A-Y-M-A. -A -A. We're just almost finished. Hold on. The breath control is a com is common in most yoga, but also in med in meditation and even in modern-day experience-based practices like cognitive behavioral therapy. Relax. Take a deep breath. This, is an act of controlling the, this act of controlling the breath has a parallel brain response of calming our instincts for fear and danger. It is easy enough to see this in deliberate practices like yoga, but the same idea applies in many more time-honored practices such as, think about it, choral singing, Gregorian chants, and even social music like bluegrass or blues derived from chants and work songs that African slaves developed to, develop to help them tolerate oppression.
There is, in fact, a musical thread throughout this idea. There is a bias in the system to detect what Pourget calls prosody, the rhythm and lilt we associate with music, singing, poetry, and chants. It is the form that becomes immediately apparent in our voices when we talk to animals or babies and is the language of our foundational relationships with our mothers. Prosody is the form of speech the sand people use to engage the lions. All of this begins to explain a curious finding among the bones and ruins of our ancestors, such as flutes carved from leg bones of cranes, Recall that music or evidence of music appeared 50,000 years ago in that sudden flourish of evidence of cultural evolution that defined humans as humans. And ever since, music has loomed as a cultural universal. All known cultures and peoples make music. Yet, all of this also suggests that we lose something when the crane's leg bone gets replaced by an iPod. We lose the benefits of sitting in a circle of fellow humans and driving the breath and the beat that drives the music. The psychiatrist and neuroscientist Ian McGilchrist argues that music predated language in human development simply because it was more important, more necessary, and already, already developed by, human, by evolution in other animals like birds and whales. Language merely allowed communication. Music and components of music like lilt and prosody facilitated engagement even with other animals, even with predators. It engaged the breath in its making. So think about your breath on a daily basis and you're feeling down, smile and make those little crinkles on the side of your eyes smile because then your brain will go oh you feel better I think that's pretty amazing all right let me just undo stuff <laughs> 